You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. ECU, Cloudy Nation, Purple and Gold family, stand to your feet, put your crossbones up, and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Come on, yeah, yeah. Welcome into the Pirate Playback right here on the Sports Objective presented by Allen K. Custom Homes, our good friend K.K. Walker. What's up, Kevin? Uh, Kevin Walker, you can call him. He's a licensed general contractor. His number, as you can see on the screen for those watching right now, 336-688-8461. And I want to bring in Kyle from LaGrange Barber. How are you, man? You still okay? What's going on, Dave? How you doing, man? It's a it's a Monday night um, after another losing weekend of Pirate football. Uh, looking forward to hopefully getting a win this weekend. For those that don't know, I'm a big Commanders fan, Redskins fan. My Redskins have won five straight if you count the preseason games, and my poor Pirates zero and three. Bubba Rosa, bomb. Are you okay, man? Doing well. Uh, yeah, you know after after losing a game uh, as a you know back thinking back to my playing days. The next best thing, you couldn't wait to the following weekend to to get on the field again and get that losing taste out of your mouth. And definitely, I'm honestly looking forward to this weekend more than I thought I would be uh, after last Saturday. And for that very reason, just I'm looking forward to uh, to getting to Greenville to to the game and you know hopefully getting that first win of the season and developing some momentum go- going into the to the Rice game. That's why I LOL'd you when you said you won't come. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, hey. I was just pissed off. But Semenza, yeah. I know what the problem is. Matt Semenza lives in Connecticut. We got to get Semenza down here, and we're going to win the game. So can you come this Saturday? Like every home game, just tell Chrissy, I love you, Chrissy. Chase, I know you're playing baseball. Can we get you down? At least it would be nice like Star Trek. We can beam in Semenza for a few hours, and then we get the win, and he gets right back to his family. I- I wish I, I wish I could. I, I would love to. I think, to be perfectly honest, I think I'd be more excited about the tailgate though than the uh, the actual game this week. But um, you know, guys, just like everybody else, you know, you're frustrated by the results, and you know, you know, when you really look at it right now, I had a chance to kind of go back today and spend some time watching the film, and the, you know, the thing is, it's not just one issue with this team. It's right. you know, you you plug one hole, and then something else opens up, and right now you have in multiple phases, offensively, defensively, and I'll share some stats later, but you just have a lot of, a lot of problems and just a lot of things to correct with a young team. You know, guys, that's a great point. That's like uh, my dad used to talk about plumbing, Matt, you fix one problem and you create another one. Let's bring in now the analyst who was there in Boone, of course, the ECU hall of famer, one of the best punters, if not the best punter of all time at ECU, Andrew Bays. What's up, man? Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I talked about some some men's getting down to Greenville for a game. He talked about maybe wanting to involve himself in some tailgating. He, this team needs a uh, Matt Matt Semenza pump, uh, you know, kind of like a, a pep talk for a game to get these guys to want to run through a brick wall because you just right now you're seeing um, a little bit of everything from this team. It's it's I I don't think the coaches really want to admit it, but it's this is a scenario that's playing out. That's a, you know, a real life rebuild 
before our eyes. And with that, you, you have so many ups and downs. And um, this App State game was every bit of that. You saw some good things. You saw some good throws. Um, you, you saw some good defensive plays. And then you just, you know, you, you see so many other things that scratch your head. Um, you know, costly penalties, um, you know, missed tackles, blown assignments, drop balls, you know, some of these up and down things that I think you you naturally have with a rebuild, unfortunately, is costing, you know, costing, costing wins. And um, so it's a little bit tough to watch on on Saturday. What's amazing to me is when you look at how bad we have played offensively, the big plays we've given up in the second half defensively, and how we are I think we're the most penalized team in college football. If we're not the most, we're one of. One of, yep, definitely. Uh, I, it's amazing to me that it was an eight-point game in the fourth quarter against the App, and we had a three-point lead against Marshall yep. in the fourth. Um, I, I honestly don't know how. When you, when you, when you, it, and it felt after both those games, I guess because the way we played so poorly in the fourth in both of them, yeah, it, it felt way worse than the score actually was. Well. Specifically about Saturday, it was those two defensive touchdowns, and we'll talk more about it. But that pick six by Antoine Jackson, and then the uh, the scoop and score of about fifty five to sixty yards um, by Shabon Rebel. Um, so you know, obviously that's part of it, and um, fortunately our defense made those plays. But um, most games you're not going to have one defensive touchdown, much less two. So um, you you look at it. Uh, well, we finished the game with about 260 yards of offense, I want to say, which is uh, about what we, about what we had been uh, in the previous games, although there were – the production was more consistent. You saw some guys making some contested catches. Uh, you saw um, Chase Soule. Uh, I think he had four for 26 and uh, made a nice contested catch or two. And then you had uh, Jari Patterson had four for 44. Shane Calhoun uh, did some nice things. Uh, Jalen Johnson had the big reception on the first drive where the Pirates went right down the field. Uh, And you look at it in the first half, uh, that very first possession, nine plays, 75 yards. Then we did essentially nothing our next four drives. We had an interception after two plays. Um, I think it was maybe three straight three and outs or maybe a – Three plays, three plays, five plays, and punts after that. And then, fortunately, um, you know, we put a nice drive together there at the end of that, where we um, where we had the uh, we had the pick six that gave us the lead, fourteen ten. And then, with just over two minutes to go in the half, we had a nine play, seventy seven yard drive where we overcame some penalties. Alex Flynn had Alex Flynn had a couple of nice runs. Um, Javius Bond had a nice run. Uh, he had a nice reception there that set up the touchdown run by uh, Rajay Harris, uh, where Jari Patterson, I want to say it was, caught the ball. It took us down to about the four or five-yard line. And then from that point on, we did nothing offensively. And that's yeah. What, that's what's frustrating is, you see, guys, you see um, signs of brightness. You know, you see, uh, like, just uh, a thing here, a thing there, but um, that's not going to win football games. And, you know, when you were talking about – the thing, to, let me ask you this uh, for the guys, um, are you four? This is a question I have for you, and this is in the back of my mind for the last couple of weeks. So I'm gonna, I waited to, in case this happened this week, with all the penalties we've had, and we're no, we know that Mike Houston teams are normally 
very disciplined. Does this mean, does that translate to he's lost the locker room? I see people saying he's lost the locker room. He's lost the locker room, like on message boards or definitely social media I have. And I was just wondering if I, I waited on purpose to this week to ask you guys that. I'll let the three guys that played football respond to that. I'll go first on that, Dave. Uh, I don't think so. I think what okay. it boils down to is we have a lot of new pieces. Uh, that, and that's really my thoughts. I don't think it's a situation where Coach Houston's lost the locker room by any means. So you've you've heard uh, multiple sources, and just talk, I mean, whether it's Coach Houston or otherwise, and you know, talk about how the attitude. Uh, and I think today, um, give credit here to Brian Bailey and Pirate Radio and the conversation that Brian Bailey had with Tim Doust. Uh, he was talking about what a pleasure this team has been to coach. And I, I think it's just a lot of new pieces. Uh, what about you, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that I can necessarily – I mean, we're three games into the season. We haven't even got into conference play. So I, I, I'm not going to, you know, think that he's lost the locker room. I think what, what's going on, you know, it, this this team is having a hard time I think, you know, I, I don't see anybody, a, a true leader yet that's mm-hmm. established on the offensive side of the ball and a true leader yet defensive side of the ball. Like, you know, this is a group that, you know, you mentioned that it's a young group. Um, you know, it's heck, it's some new, a lot of new coaches on this staff that a lot of pieces are trying to to figure this thing out on the fly. As I mentioned, it's it's it feels every bit of a of a rebuild. It's going to take Matt. Matt and I played on teams together, and he can mention probably a handful of names. I can probably mention a handful of names of guys that, you know, out at practice every day. They were the ones being being super vocal, whether the the where we're coming off a loss or coming after a, a win. You know, there was somebody that was going to bring some juice and some energy, or was going to try to you know pick a fight with somebody, or you know was going to try to fire somebody up, or try to give a motivational edge or something along those lines during practice. And, you know, I I have yet to see some of that. Um, I I'm sure that there's some kids in there that, that are going to establish themselves uh, as clear in day, uh, clear as day vocal leaders. But at this point, you know, they're, they're searching. And um, I know this coaching staff would love for those guys to step up and take some sort of leadership role and help direct this team. The coaches are having a hard enough time as it is, you know, some of these older guys need to step up and, and, and help out. Uh, Matt, how you feel? Yeah. I mean, I think those are really good points. I mean, every, every really good team in college football has great leadership from, from the players, not only the coaches, but so I think that's a really good point Baze. I mean, you know, you kind of when you look at the original question, do I think Mike Houston has lost the team? You know, I, I can't say that because I'm not in a locker room and I I don't know what's going on inside that building. But what, what does appear to me very clearly, guys, is that something is wrong with the schemes. Um, you see a lot of confusion um, offensively and defensively. And, you know, what I mean by confusion is, you know, there were at least five or six times in that game versus app where we on first down, we had a penalty and you wind up, you know, in a situation where you're third and long because you're starting off and, you know, first and 15 or, or whatever it is. I mean, just horrible penalties. And that kind of that leads back to inexperience, but also leads to some confusion. 
And defensively, you know, you look at the scheme defensively every week, you're seeing busts, you're seeing guys run free. Um, run defense has been very solid, you know, the first few weeks of the season. Then all of a sudden you come out and think about it from this perspective. You do a really great job on your first offensive possession. You go right down the field, right? And we mixed in. We did some different things, guys. When you watch it, there were definitely some adjustments this week. There was more pace to the offense. We actually incorporated wide receiver screens. I haven't seen those in two years. Um, and started Flynn. So you, you go right down the field, guys. You score a touchdown. And then guess what? Instead of building on it and capitalizing on momentum, the first play app runs the stretch zone and goes like what 75 yards to the house and just like that you're you're tied up so it's just a lot of things um and, and you know you hope he hasn't lost the locker room but right now you could just tell these schemes don't appear to be working it looks like there's a lot of confusion kyle yeah i uh i and then that goes hand in hand with the penalties is the is the confusion um i, I don't know you know, on the on, on the pre-step penalties, a lot of that you got an offensive line that played together. You, you played two different quarterbacks, um, so maybe these offensive linemen settle into their roles, and and and, and we stick with Flynn. It looks like a quarterback, and and maybe at least on the offensive side, the penalties start to clean themselves up. Defensively, um, that's a different story with the penalties. I think some of that. And Matt, uh, obviously, you played linebacker. I think some of the defensive penalties have come down to frustration. I was I was going to ask that very thing of that, but the the thing is, is that if you take away those penalties, I mean, I know you have the the two main issues, the storylines, obviously, inexperienced quarterback, and also the uh, penalties. Because if you have experienced quarterback and you get rid of the penalties or a lot of those, uh, clean those up then we have a legitimate shot to win every single game left on the schedule. But if it continues to be the same, uh, we may have a, a losing season, you know? So what we have to do is, uh, guys, I wanted to mention to this again, the only thing I can hold my hat on, hold right now, is back in the preseason, Andrew, we had um, Morgan Aylers on the show, and he told us that we were going to have growing pains, especially at quarterback. Do you guys remember that? But he said... As the season goes on, we are going to get better. And I go back to you guys with the 97 season. You know, it was looking very bleak. And all of a sudden, you guys yeah. won five ball games, And it wasn't, you know, bowl year. But you went from, was it one and five uh, start? So yeah. five, um, I finished five and six. Yeah, yeah five and six. So, yes, uh, things have started out. And another thing is you just have to come out and, uh, as much as you can and forget all what's happened because if they can find a way to beat Gardner Webb and then you can find a way to uh, win on the road at Rice, that's going to be a tight game. That's not a cupcake as well. But those are winnable games. If you get two and three, then all of a sudden you've righted the ship and you can see a path to a bowl game. But right now we can't even worry about any of that. We have to worry about, I feel like coach speak, <laughs> we really have to just focus one thousand percent on Gardner Webb. Uh, we we better be focused on us yeah. and, and getting better in yep. practice this week. And and no, this team can't overlook anybody. I don't I don't I don't care if we're playing uh DH Conley. I mean we 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 need to win in the worst way. And these guys better be taking Gardner Webb seriously. Look, man, 
I, I talked about it on Pirate Radio Saturday night, um, and, and we've mentioned it here on the podcast before. But for those that don't know, Gardner-Webb, you know, they played App State. I believe the final score was 42-24 or 48-24 this year. Um, they played uh, they played Liberty to a 21-20 game last year. They played uh, they lost to Coastal Carolina, who we played in a bowl last year by four points. Um, they their score against Marshall last year was very similar to our score against Marshall this year. So they can play well against FBS opponents, and they were an FCS playoff team last year. Started off one and two this year, but uh, we need a win in the worst way. I know we're looking back at App right now, but I'm always looking forward. I, I I don't I don't look back too much at games. I'm always when we lose when we win them, I do. When we lose them, I'm always ready for the next one. So Kyle, like yeah. you know, as far as looking forward, I mean it it can't get any worse for the Pirates offensively right now. They're they're 130th out of 130 teams in total yeah. offense. Yeah, many with three with three offensive touchdowns. So, you know, they they <laughs> you know, we're 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 at the bottom. Like and and I think the spread for this Gardner Webb game came out. It's three and a half points. Uh, that was that was um, that was an old basketball spread. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, what is what is the spread? We have not found an official spread yet for this game. All right, uh, I, I was scratching my head on that four one. Points. Yeah, uh, that was an old basketball spread. I was hoping nobody was going to mention that. Thanks uh, there, uh, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> no, it's already been mentioned in the. It's already been mentioned in the comments anyway. Yeah, yeah, we've taken it down. We've taken it down everywhere. That All was right, an old. Good. That was an old basketball. You guys had. You guys had me worried because yeah, that, that was an, that was four and a half. That was an old basketball uh, spread. Um, that was my <laughs> mistake. So I'm gonna uh, give you. I'm gonna give you guys some some more stats. You know, 130th. You know, dead last in total offense. You know, we did so great last year with turnover margin and penalties. And in those two stats, turnover margin were minus three, 110th out of 130th. Mm. And penalties, we've, we've given up 32 penalties for 280 yards. That ranks us 128th out of 130 teams. So we are, you know, we can go on and on. Past Andrew, can you explain to me when you tell me those stats, how in the hell we were in football games with Marshall and App State? How were we even in those games in the fourth quarter? Because those we have two football if you remember that Marshall game, Marshall Marshall kept us in that football game. Yeah, I know, I know. Turnovers, and App did too. App did too. They they turned the ball over to us. They yeah, absolutely. They and drops. And, 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 and drops. Marshall had a lot of drops, yeah. and Marshall had a lot of drops. And and to be fair, you know, some of these offensive numbers I think would be a little bit better if we didn't have so many drops. And mm-hmm. a lot of times they don't show up on the stat sheet. You know, I always go back and take a look at the stat sheet, try to figure out you know, drops and, you know, replay the game in my head. But they don't always show up because sometimes they're difficult passes. You know, they might get two hands on them, diving for a, for a ball, and they drop it, but it's not counted as a drop. So, you know, this this team is lacking right now playmakers. I've made, I've made this comment yeah. over the last three weeks, um, you know, offensively and defensively. We talk about trying to find leadership. We're also trying – to find some playmakers, you know, I, I liked how Flynn came in, you know, and he, he did show at times pushing the ball down the field. He made some big out throws on the perimeter that get, you know, really kind of get you excited that hold on a second, man, we, we got something here. Right. And then all of a sudden we make a couple bonehead moves and it, you know, you take a step forward and you take two steps back, but that's okay. It's a long season, you know, and, and, and we're still cutting our teeth. These coaches are still trying to figure it out. But offensively, 
you know, we've got to have some playmakers step up, whether it's wide receivers, running backs, um, you know, Javis Bond, you know, he, he has shown, you know, bits and pieces of, of flashing through the first three games. We're still kind of waiting for that, that bust out game. Um, it was good to see Rajay get, get going this game. Hopefully he'll, you know, have some positive momentum that'll push him. Um, the offensive line's got some work to do. Um, a lot of work, you know, but, but back to these stats, I, I don't think for us, I mean, it can always get worse, right? It can always get worse, but it, don't, say know, <laughs> don't say that. Put, put these three games, put these three games behind you. We're moving forward. You know, Gardner Webb, it's not a four point spread. And, um, you know, <laughs> not yet, not yet anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> fake news, damn it. Fake news. We're in the fake news business. We're podcasters. Yeah. Well, let, let me yeah. throw this one around to you guys. Let me throw this one around. We'll kind of go around the horn a little bit on this, but based on what you saw this week and over the first three weeks, okay, do you feel like this team is in better better hands with Alex Flynn at quarterback or Mason Garcia? And I'll start with Dave. I'm going to kick that to you first. <laughs> okay. I think uh, for me, I'm going Flynn only because I'm wondering my, my frustration with Garcia – is I'm like, dude, you have more talent than most of the players on this team. And my frustration is I don't understand why it feels like he's, uh, I don't know about you guys that played football, but it feels like he's afraid to make a mistake. He's like, I'm the guy, but if I make a mistake, I'm going to be on the bench. Well, if you have that play not to lose, I'm scared, uh, that kind of thing. I don't know, but it seems to be my point in a short, if I can say it short, is that, Flynn is more confident. He has more of a command in the pocket. Bubba's a quarterback. I'm not, but that's just the way I feel. Um, you know, if you're Mike Houston, you're 0-3. You've got to go with whoever the best is to win. And one one question I have for you guys, too, to add to that, a sidebar real quick before I forget, is if you don't start May, May, uh, Mason next week, do you think he's going to transfer because of four-game rule? To where? I don't know. I'm just. I'm just asking. I'm not I, trying to put a threat I, out there. I'm just asking. I, I. I don't. I mean, I. At this point, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean to the kid, but at this point, I don't see anybody who's going to be knocking down his door if he enters the portal. I believe I sit tight for a little while. Um, I, I think to answer Matt's question, as of right now, what we've seen, uh, we're in better hands with Flynn. Um, yep. He made. Um, he made the. He, he made a couple of really bad passes where he stared down his receiver and he put too much air under the ball where he should have should have been throwing a bullet. Um, if you're going to stare down your receiver, you better throw a bullet. Um, and, but you know, a couple of mistakes there. He'll only get better if you, you think anyway. You, you yeah. figure it. That was his first true start, so you think he's only going to get better. Um, Mason, you know, good with his legs, but he's scared to death to throw the ball. Um, I, you know, it's real strength. I, let me ask y'all this. And um, if you want to finish going around the horn with Matt's question, you know, add them, add them together um, or combine the questions. But let me ask you all this. You know, with all the – would it be asking too much – to draw up some packages specifically to take advantage of Mason's strengths, a la James Summers, where you take advantage – it's kind of the yep. old Wildcat quarterback yep. situation where you take advantage of his legs, where you just take passing out of his brain and just bring him in for specific series drawn up for him. Do you think that's a good idea, or with all the penalties we're getting, would that just create more confusion for ourselves? Uh, Kyle, I, I, I've kind of asked that question quite a bit, you know, and it's 
it <clears throat> it's it seems like an obvious thing because Mason looks incredibly comfortable when he's running and moving. Like he, you could just see it in his demeanor and his and his you know the way he plays. It's almost like he'd rather be running. And um, yeah. you know, I I went back. You know, this week I wanted to go see what Mason looked like at, back in 2020. Uh, I think it was the Navy game. Yep. There, there's a set of highlights that I went back, and the things I saw him do in that in that highlight reel. You know, he played quite a bit in in that game, and I think another game. I can't remember, but everything I saw back then in 2020, I, I'm seeing it now. It's the exact same thing, and I I it pains me to say that because you know I know he's worked hard i know he's gotten a lot of reps between then and now you know especially second team reps working behind old holton and um you know it's it's just it's a little disappointing and concerning when you see the same things that he, he was doing in 2020 that he's doing now um it, it could be nerves like you know a lot of guys matt matt's played with a lot of guys i've played with a lot of guys that you know sometimes it's you, you know, you can do the game stuff in your sleep in practice. Like you can, you could be a superstar in practice, but just that mental piece of getting in a game, getting a little bit of pressure, you know, have maybe having some fans that are questioning and chirping and that kind of stuff that get in your head and affect you, you know, certain players that really, that, that really affects. And um, so to, to the point, your point, you know, get him out of those scenarios and get him where he's most comfortable and, you know, get those packages in there. But I guess, again, to your, your point and to your question, when I was asking around, it's, it's not as easy to do that when you have a two quarterback system, you know, in the, in the throes of a week to try to, you know, put that thing together. Now, maybe they are putting it together for the future in the conference games and that kind of thing and not, you know, not going to worry about these games with that. And just give some time to develop that. I'm not sure. Um, maybe something we'll see in the future. Um, but yes, he he can. I, I tell everybody he's the biggest, baddest guy on the field. You you have to use that as an asset. If you have it on your bench, you've got to use it one way or the other. And um, you know, I hope at some point. I know Matt's talked about creativity in this coaching staff and wanting to see a little bit more. You know, this is that type of thing. You got a you got a big, strong physical player that you can take advantage of that likes to run the football, utilize it, try to figure out a way to get it going. Um, you know, see if he can create a spark, you know what I mean? Maybe not put him in those situations. That's, that's going to kind of get him off, off kilter a little bit. Um, but the other thing to your, to your question about transfers, you know, the guy that I'm, I'm, I would be worried about really is Jeter. Um, the freshman from, from South Carolina, you know, in today's world, you know, here we are, we have two quarterbacks that we're trying to work through, try to figure out which one's going to step up and which one's going to lead this team. The question is, what's our future look like? And we've got we've got a number three quarterback that's a freshman that we assume we're going to redshirt and we're going to, you know, we're not going to, you know, burn a year on them. We're going to we're going to let them redshirt and do that kind of thing. But in today's day and day and yeah. time in the transfer portal, is that the right thing? You know, do you do you risk? losing your your future quarterback at least what's on your roster today 
um, losing him to the portal. So that, that's a whole nother question. Well, how many how many games do you give Flynn before you say screw it? This ain't working. Let's just build for the future and play Jeter. Well, you got at this point they're 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 going to play for a conference. So they want to you know that's always been Mike Houston's thing is we're going to play for, you know we we're some of these early non conference games at the end of the day it doesn't matter we're playing for a conference championship. So you know that's when when you get into conference play and you start you know, God forbid, start losing some football games. And at that point, you're going to have to start making a tough decision of, of what the future is going to look like. Yeah. I mean, you go one and, you know, you're one and six, one and seven. I mean, how many, that's, uh, we had that question earlier, but a uh, great, great point though, Andrew, about Jeter. I had, it had crossed my mind, um, Michigan game, or maybe Marshall, maybe uh, weeks are running together now, but, I had wondered about him because somebody was asking, I think it was the fifth quarter. Somebody says, when do you put Jeter in? And they were like, my God, we've already got two quarterbacks. You don't need to have a three quarterback system. Not at this point. Yeah. The the only way I see Raheem Jeter playing this season is if it's an injury situation or you get down to the month of November and, you know, heaven forbid we're, you know, one, one in seven or something, something of that nature uh, where, the, be offense, the offense has has still, um, you know, been where it currently is. And then in those last four games where you can still play him and retain a red shirt, I, I think that's the only way he plays this year unless unless there's uh, injuries, um, which obviously um, or we hope is not the case. Let me ask um, – Yeah, agreed. Uh, let me ask you something. Uh, are all three of you – whoever wants to answer the damn question. Um, <laughs> when, you, when you look back at the, uh, at the, at the, at the App State game and – um, their run defense was porous coming into that game, and we were not really able to run the ball on them except in the red zone. Um, I saw early, I know in the game, they were stacking the box, and we were able to throw it on them. Uh, you guys uh, better at analyze. I don't go back and analyze film. Uh, Bubba, Matt, uh, Andrew, did, did did they continue to stack the box the entire game, or, or did they play their traditional base defense and you know more cover uh, as the game went on? Well, from what I saw, guys, it did look like their primary objective was to basically stop the run, knowing that we haven't been successful passing the ball. And um, so a lot of times they did stack the box a bit and make things tough on us. And even when they didn't, sometimes they were still able to generate some pressure on us. Yeah, that's so, what concerns me about our run game. If they're, We should have been able to run the ball better on those guys, particularly when, when, when the box wasn't stacked. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and like – Here's the thing. I think that when you look at this scheme, there are so many things we could do to help out a little bit. You know, I watched, I went back and I watched every play offensively today for the first three quarters. We didn't move the pocket one time, not one time. So in other words, you have a quarterback Mm -hmm. in the shotgun, you're taking a snap and he's trying to just stand tall in the pocket every single play and deliver strikes. We don't do enough to help out sometimes. I mean, there's there's things you can do. Like when you're trying to run that stretch play into the boundary, right. you know, you run it a few times. Guess what? Now I'm going to run some play action boot off of it and try to complete some passes to the wide side of the field. Move the pocket a little bit. There are things we can do to help out. Um, right. and, and sometimes we just don't have that creativity, you know. But, you know, what I, I'm I'm a little more encouraged by Flynn from what I saw the, I think the offense has a lot more pace with him in the game. It has more rhythm. He's in, he's in better command of the offense. When you look at the interceptions he has, 
Go back and look at the interceptions he has. Those are things you can learn from. He had people wide open on every one of those plays. Yep. Um, so he just made the wrong decision. He one time he threw into double coverage. He had Calhoun open. I remember that. Yeah. And then another time when he threw the deep out that was undercut, similar to the Michigan interception that Mason threw. He had, if you look closely, Hatfield was in the slot. He was running. It looked like like a shallow crosser. He had the uh, DB in trail position. He wouldn't have called it. Well, he probably wouldn't. <laughs> but if he did, Kyle, if he did, he'd probably still be running. So there were some plays to be made out there. Uh, my point is I think Flynn, I think he's the guy this year. And I think that he just needs some more experience and to take advantage of those things. Yeah, I think as of right now, I don't think there's any question. You got to start playing. I, like I say, I'll say it again. I dropped some packages specifically for Mason. Maybe that's something we do in the off week when we introduce it against SMU. But I, I you know, I like me and Andrew were talking about utilize Mason's legs. But yeah, Flynn's got to be the guy right now. Um, Dave, do we want to take calls? Or are you ready to take calls? I am. Whenever y'all are ready, I'm just you want to put the number up on the screen, give the number out so folks yeah. know where to call. It's two five two. 290-0375-252-290-0375. We'll take your your calls and we'll uh, be patient with this because uh, we don't have a call screener. It's me. Uh, so we're, sometimes I may be on there, but yeah, if you and, call and, multiple times if you have to. And do not call that number on the screen. That is do, that is if you want a house built. <laughs> well, that's okay. If you, uh, yeah, if you want to, maybe you can make a call to him and uh, the KK and uh, as long as you're buying a new house or a remodel or whatever, I'm sure he'll be glad to listen to your grief, uh, your grievances about pirate football being that he's one of the best to ever wear the purple and gold. Uh, one of the most athletic of all time for sure. And uh, appreciated his support of the program, that being LNK custom homes. But um, I wanted to ask you guys, you guys been you, Matt and uh, Andrew, you played on the team. Like we talked about uh, where it was a rebuilding year, so to speak. Uh, we we heard the in the off season going into the season we've lost eighty percent of our offense, but when you're playing uh, Gardner Webb and they are a good FCS program, I want to say that again, they are a good FCS program. They're going to most likely make the playoffs again this year. They did uh, get upset Saturday night. Yeah, they did. But my point is, uh, what kind of like if you're you're coaching and you guys have more knowledge of football than I ever will, but uh, how do you beat Gardner Webb? I, I think that's the, the scuttlebutt people are saying their lack of confidence in the coaching staff. I think we can beat Gardner Webb, but how do you guys beat him? I think uh, you you can't beat yourself, and that, right. that's that's where that's where they're at right now. Is you know they they have to be able to control the things that they can control, and through the first few weeks, it's penalties, it's turnovers, and those. If they can, and and I knew going into this year, you know, as good as the Pirates were last year, as good as Holt Nailers was in in protecting the football, as good as the defense was in taking the ball away, I you know there were a lot of close games last year, and you know those turnovers had a lot to do with it. And you know I knew going into this year, having having young quarterbacks, young in the way of lack of experience that turnovers were going to be an issue and they, they have been an issue. And, you know, I don't know what this coaching staff can do 
you know, if if playmakers aren't making plays, as Matt said, I know some people want to be critical of Donnie in creativity and lack of run game and some of these things. But, you know, you pointed out some of those 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 points where there's guys open. Uh, Flynn, you know, Flynn's got to put it on. The quarterback's got to do their job, whether it's Flynn or Garcia. They, they have to do their job. They have to protect the football and they cannot, you know, it's okay. We talked, we talked about it last year with Holden. Don't get in negative down situations, you know, do not take a loss on a, you know, yeah. on a sack. We gave up, I don't know how many yards in, in sacks this week, but it was a lot. There's like some 40, close to 50 yards. In, and, in and the good news about that is they did sack um, North Carolina's quarterback, Jesus Christ or whatever his name is. Uh, six times so right they, they, they do get to the quarterback yeah so you got to control what you got to control you got to you got to you know you can't you can't work backwards for one you got to protect the football you can't be stupid with uh with the ball and you got to you you know the playmakers got to make plays you got to catch the football you got to help your quarterback out and by doing just those few things we, we've got different games the last two weeks you know really between marshall and app state and I, it seems like such an easy thing, but the players have to kick in on on some of this too. It's not just a it's not just a coaching issue. Yeah, and those are great points. And 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 really, like the thing is to answer your question. I'm going to answer your Dave, your question, Dave, in the most simplistic form possible. You have to kick the man the man's ass in front of you. If you're an offensive lineman or you're a defensive lineman, you have to take personal responsibility in beating the man's ass in front of you. Um, that's really what it comes down to. In a game like this, our offensive line and defensive line should be bigger. It should be better than Gardner Webb. So you got to win up front. And, you know, that's really what it takes. I mean, you know, if you win those matchups on both lines, you're going to have success this week. And, and don't panic. If the game, that's something else, being we're 0 3, you know, you're playing an FCS opponent. If the game is close in the second half, don't panic. No doubt, guys. We have a caller. Uh, we have Dick from Richmond on the line. Dick, go ahead. Yeah, how's it going, guys? Um, rough season, to say the least. And Dave, did you mute yourself? We can't hear Dick. Do what? Go ahead, Dick. We, we couldn't hear you. My fault, Dick. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. We're, we're definitely undermanned on the offensive side of the ball. Um, we keep saying the defense is on the field too long, but if you really look at the statistics in the last two games, it's almost equal from time of possession. So we do have some issues there from a discipline standpoint. And I had one of my – my top, I had my top customers and great friend I took to the game at Marshall, and he played at Marshall. You know, we were just having a few drinks, and I said, you know, with this new NIL deal, and it's just a theory I have, we should take the Jim Beheim, and, you know, Krzyzewski fought it for a while, the one and done. Why, why doesn't Mike Houston and company, and he's making $2.3 million a year, go into the household and say, look, I mean, we let's go after four-star, five-star athletes and say, you really want to go on Alabama and sit on the bench? Come on to East Carolina, play, pump up your NIL deal, and you can stay or go. 
that's just something I have. What do you guys think about that? Just taking a whole new approach to this NIL thing and stop trying to dream that we're going to bring players in. Because if you look at Malik Fleming, he's at Houston, already has three interceptions. We lose two offensive linemen to Auburn, yep. one to Oregon. I mean, let, let's just get real here. We're in Greenville, North Carolina. Let's just do one and dunce. I mean, let's change the landscape of what's going on. So, so Dick, just Dick, your thoughts on that. Dick, this is Andrew. I, I, um, I've actually had this thought for a couple of years now, you know, especially programs like ECU, you, you don't have deep pockets. You're never going to compete with the big NIL schools as far as being able to, um, you know, offer big NIL packages. However, what you can do is you can work the portal and you can work, you know, high school kids, you know, cause not a lot, there's not a lot of recruitment in high schools right now, most of it is in the transfer yep. portal. And my, my idea is to use, you know, is, is to reckon to your point is to sell these kids on the idea, you know, these, these kids that aren't getting playing time at other schools, you know, I, I know it's so difficult to get them in because every other school wants them in, but you've really got to do a, you know, for it to work, you've got to have somebody that knows how to recruit the portal and be aggressive in the portal. And you sell these kids on coming to ECU to build their brand, to build their NIL package. And you you know put together whatever best offer you can, but you sell them on the idea of, hey, come to ECU. I, I don't know how many transfers you get anymore. Maybe it's two, um, but come to ECU, build your brand and take off. Then you'll, you, you know, look at um, Strother going to Oregon, look at, um, our Avery center Jones. That, that went to Auburn, you know, there's examples of kids that start off schools at ECU and make big jumps and, and, and have great success stories, um, especially on the NIL side. So I love where your head's at as far as, you know, utilizing ECU. I, I'd like to utilize ECU as a jumping off point. Like just recognize that you're not going to have these kids long-term, but right. create a, create a pipeline to some of these other larger schools. Well, what I what I was thinking about in terms of recruiting, and um, you know, App State did it with their quarterback right now. Uh, you, you talk about high schools not being recruited. Well, because of the portal, nobody's taking players from the junior colleges anymore. I was um, going to say that. Kyle. App, App State's yeah. quarterback right now, their backup came from a JUCO, and look how good he is. Um, I, I would start recruiting junior colleges like crazy. All, all the no, above. Nobody's recruiting the JUCOs anymore. Um, with, with, with the transfer portal now. Um, so that's one thing I think we should start utilizing more as a junior college. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and, and Dick, to your point also about the NIL, Kyle, you great make a great point about, obviously, we're doing transfer portal, but you talk about JUCOs. But also, Dick, I would add uh, one thing that has to happen for us, being the fans and the supporters of East Carolina is there some, I'm not saying anybody on this show, because I think we all understand whether we like it or not where NIL is going, but there's people that are on our fan base and not just our fan base across the country. There's no way in the world I'm ever going to pay a player. Well, <laughs> hello. Um, it doesn't matter what we think. What matters is if we want to compete, ask Mike Houston, John Gilbert, uh, if we want to compete at a high level and if you want to win a championship, Oh. Dick, you're right on the money with NIL. We're going to have to um, – I know that they were told for the American, for the fellow schools to compete, we have to raise at least a million. So I'm that guy to say – if they say a million, we need to raise three. 
And I'm giving $50 a month right now. It's all I can afford to Boneyard, um, Team Boneyard. Um, but if everybody would give $25, $50, if you'd you like you like Kyle. You can join for as little as $10 a month. Yep. Uh, you can join as little Netflix, as $10 a month. Cheaper than Netflix. And you get a hat. You get a hat for that. They send you a hat yeah. for, for the $10 a month pledge. Um, I got one. And, yep. and guys, you know, it, NIL is imperative now, no matter where, no matter where you stand on it. But I will say that, by the way, we are still taking your calls at two five two two nine zero zero three seven five. So call in, Dave will answer the phone personally and greet you. Um, I, uh, I one thing that I will say on this, and I don't know where you guys stand on this, but uh, it's kind of changed my perspective on players. I never used to would call a player out, and I still will only do it a limited amount. But uh, it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. I'll call a player out way more now publicly. Because of NIL, um, when when you when, to me when you when you when you want me to give you my money, then um, I don't have any trouble calling you out. It's like it, a professional it, player. It's funny, Kyle. You said that, Matt. I I, <laughs> I sent that text earlier today. You know, we've got a, a friend group that banter's about some things, and um, that was some of some of my some of my point is, you know, these kids are professionals now. They, they take the money and they're not kids, they're adults. So right. now you have professional adults, you know, and as far as being critical, you know, a lot of coaches used to stand behind, you know, we can't be critical of these ki- quote unquote kids. Well, <laughs> now kids are these ki- quote unquote kids are playing six and seven years. You know what I mean? And they're, they're into their deep into their twenties and they're getting an NIL deal, which means that they're, basically professional athletes so you know when you take the money you you might you might you know have to answer the the bell at some point on some criticism i think our punter just got his aarp card (laughs) i was gonna luke larson's about 30 right oh we lost uh dick there thank you dick for calling in uh if you want to call in you can be the next caller 252-290-03 Seven five. Thank you, Dick from Richmond. And uh, guys, that very thing of NIL. Uh, if we're going to compete, we're going to have to. If we're going to have to compete, if we're going to compete, we're going to have to. Uh, r- really, the fan base is going to have to embrace NIL. I mean, when you look at all the we, we were talking about uh, with Kyle and, and the guys here on the panel, with all the buckets of money. Uh, the, you, there's four buckets right now. You have season tickets. You have Pirate Club. Pirates Unite and Team Boneyard. Um, so we're going to have to get pe- more people. You know, Kyle, it was the indoor practice facility, which Mike Houston wants. But the most important thing right now NIL. is NIL. Yeah. I think we just need to go cheaper on the indoor practice facility and build it with what we got and add the bells. Well, let's go back to what we heard a couple weeks ago. Why can't we, if we have 14, I want to ask you this, Andrew and Matt, because you played at East Carolina, you know about the heat. Uh, if we already have 14 to 15 million already raised, why not go ahead and break ground? There's a lot of people right now when they see them break ground, they're going to get excited. You can build the whole damn thing for 15 million dollars. You just cut out a lot of the bells and whistles. Well, Dave, Dave, I think they learned their lesson on um, the town bank, town bank tower. They, they did that before the money was fully raised. And um, you know, that, that got us, that got our program into a little bit of trouble. And um you know, financially, we took a major hit uh, at that point. It almost buried us um, financially. And um, thank goodness we had some really good 
supporters step up and yep. you know uh at a time of need when our program was really at the brink of bankruptcy um and i think the town bank tower was a direct result of that and um so you know i think the program has learned its lessons it's under you know different direction at this point and you know they, they don't need to you know they don't need to do anything until money's raised and I don't want them to get in any kind of thing where they're breaking ground and, you know, hoping that the rest of the money is going to come in. It doesn't. Things go over budget. And now, all of a sudden, athletic programs really in a bind. And um, I think, you know, we saw that play out and uh, we got to be mindful of that with future projects for sure. No, I agree with that. Uh, I just think we could build the thing for a lot cheaper than what we're proposing. <laughs> but the problem is, I agree with you 1000 percent, Andrew, on that with the what we've been through with the telmeg tower but what we need to do is put that telmeg tower um you never can hear and and this is uh going all the way back even before gilbert and robinson but nobody will say we owe 28 million dollars whatever it is right so what we need to do is we need to um they they have promised what i've heard i've been told which i already thought is that pirates unite is going to continue forever um beyond the 60 million but they need to have that part of the money raised needs to go towards after we get these initial projects done. We need to put the money, uh, keep the Pirates Unite campaign going, upgrades to, uh, we can talk about it another show, but uh, one of the things on there is to pay off the Town Bank Tower because of that. Plus, talking about the indoor practice facility, it's going to get to the point where there'll be something else in the indoor practice facility won't even matter because our program takes so long to do anything. It drives well, I me got nuts. an idea. I got an idea. Okay. Why don't we build a cheaper indoor practice facility? I'm, I'm just going to keep saying that. It doesn't have to be, you know, it, it, we just need a place to practice indoors. It's you, such you, a, you know, it's such a, it's such a difficult thing because our, our, our program, you know, is we're trying to keep up with, the Joneses and everyone's got an indoor practice facility and, you know, you're tr you, we fell behind and got, you know, we, we got behind the eight ball with other prior projects and, you know, so our, our facilities are behind. So at some point you got to play catch up, but the flip side is the game has changed and you need cash to get players. You need an IL exactly build a cheaper indoor practice facility, get something that's, I'm not saying I'm not suggesting do what you do what uh, UAB did and put up a carport, um, but <laughs> build a beautiful new stadium. But their practice indoor practice facility is a freaking carport. Yeah, but but yeah. You, you you can build something nice for fourteen million dollars. Kiss kiss my ass if you can. I, I know construction costs has gone up, but you're telling me you can't get something built for fourteen million dollars. Give me a break. Yeah, guys, really quick, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna come at this from a little different perspective, really quick. I mean. You know, th this stuff is all very true and it's very important. But, you know, right now, when I look at our football program, you know, we're the most penalized program in the country. We're last in offense. We are terrible in third down defense. I see schools like App, who are probably yeah. in a worse situation financially, playing their ass off every single week. So, you know, I hear a lot of comments coming out of qualifiers, Matt. A lot of comments coming out of our coaching staff lately about heat. You know what? You want to talk about heat? Go do three a days in Eastern North Carolina. You know, um, it, or it's, Terry it's had a lot four of, days. Remember, guys? 
it's a lot of it's a lot of excuses right now. Play better football. You want to generate some excitement for the program? Put a better product on the field. This is not a good product. I agree with you. So all these things matter. Go for broke. And I was going to say that earlier. I put that in the comments. But, you know, the way I feel about it is at this point, guys, that they're worried about Flynn and Garcia. What do we have to lose? What about the, uh, to me, uh, both guys have an arm on them. So why can't we see more of the long ball? I mean, vertical, the vertical pass. Well, the other line's got to hold up block. Um, I, I agree to, with to that. To do that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, maybe we would have seen it more for Flynn if they weren't getting pressure on him so much. Um, I suppose Mason just looks scared to throw the ball, period. I, I don't, hey, let me got, ask you guys this. I've been meaning to ask it the whole show. Um, and this is going to sound like a stupid question, but it's logical to me. Um, do you guys think that Mason seeing Flynn throw three interceptions in that game? could help him. Does, does that make sense? Does it, you get what I'm saying? Uh, it, yeah. I mean, absolutely. You, as a, as a competitive athlete, you know, you, you're competing with somebody and it, it's natural to, you know, if that, that person falters that you're competing against, you know, well, shoot, maybe they're going to look at me a little bit differently. Maybe I have another opportunity in practice this week to show them something. And, um, you know, well, maybe, I just meant from going in a game and not being so scared to make a mistake because you saw the other guy do it three times. No, I, no, I, I don't, I don't like that mindset because you know misery likes company type thing. I, I don't, I, you know, I, I think what I'm going at is like I hope that these two, you know, can get to a point from a competitive level that they're that they're driving each other. You know what I mean? Like it's healthy competition where. You know, right. now Mason's going to, because Mason has a little bit of life seeing Flynn maybe throw those picks this week, maybe he's going to bring something a little bit different in practice this week. And he's going to have a little bit more energy. He's going to be, you know, amped up a little bit more because maybe he thinks the coaches are going to look at him differently. And because of that, maybe Flynn sees Mason start throwing some darts around the field and it, it elevates his play. And that that's how that's how a team gets better. You know, you you'll, so you can only hope that that happens i don't know ultimately if that's going to happen but that's the way you draw it up you know that's when you have a two quarterback system you know you you need the two of them to elevate each other's game to make the team better and going to your point andrew and matt uh isn't it kind of the same way in the weight room if the two of you guys are there with a coach connors and he says andrew i know you guys are different body bills i'm gonna put my money on matt there (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Andrew no is a son of a gun, man. He, he was not. A, he was a real football player. Baze told me last week he benched over three hundred pounds in college, guys. One hundred, one hundred percent. I see. That was a that was a that was a goal of mine. When I came in, I'd never I'd never lifted in my life. When I came in as a freshman at ECU, wow. And I could not. It, it my goal. I had a crash course with my oldest brother's best friend for a week. That he just showed me around the weight room. So I wasn't a complete idiot. And my goal was to be able to do 135 for one one time because I knew I wouldn't be able to get 225. So I did 135 once at my freshman test. And as I got into the program, my goal by my senior year was was to be able to bench press 300 pounds. And um, to Matt's disbelief, I actually did that. <laughs> I told you he was a real football player, not like when you hear a specialist that he he could he was a real football player. So. I'm happy for you, Baze. I I knew you could do it, brother. 
Thank you, my I, man. I believe you. I believe you. Maybe. Thanks, brother. I was Maybe. just getting to the point that when you were talking about competition, so if I'm Semenza, <laughs> Semenza says I do this many, you know, like whatever the exercise is, and Baze comes in and says, oh, yeah, well, I did this, and there's like a friendly competition. You you guys know that um, it's not like you want to see each other fail. You're pushing each other to be better so that on Saturdays yeah. you're going to be winning. And, and what I meant earlier by my point, you know, I, I wasn't wasn't implying, hey, it's, he sucks, so it's okay for me to suck. What I meant was Mason looked so scared to make a mistake that what I meant was maybe since he saw Flynn make a mistake, he goes, you know what, he made a mistake. And, and, and nobody killed him. So, you know, it, right. maybe you take some of the fear away. Some pressure is what I was trying to say. How much, Andrew and Matt, how much pressure is this kid putting on himself? We know, like, the fan base is a fan base, but Mason Garcia, it, it feels like he's so much in his head. How do you get a football player or athlete out of their head? Tough question, Ooh, I know. You know, I mean, from my perspective, like, you gotta <laughs> – this was something I learned – I would say I really, it took me a few years to learn this at the college level, but you can get so amped up for a game. Like you can get so emotional before a game that when you, when you approach the game that way, it can take you a full quarter to settle down. Um, As you get older and you kind of mature a little bit, you learn that, you know, all right, I need to, I need to be emotional, but I need to, you know, keep my nerves calm. I need to go into this with a clear head and, you know, just kind of approach it with more of a, you know, a less emotional standpoint. But I, I think you, you know, from, from him, from his perspective, like as a coach, I would just be like kind of joke around with him a little bit before the game, you know, just go play, man, just go make plays, try to loosen him up because to your point, you know, if you approach it like, Hey, don't go out there and make mistakes. What would you respond to? Don't go out there and make mistakes. Don't turn the ball over or, you know, maybe a little joke, you know, and, and, and hey, let's just go play football. Remember what Skip Holtz did with our field goal kicker in yeah. the Hawaii Bowl, right? Yeah. yeah. Kind of joked around with him a little and, bit. And the UNC game. Yep. Yeah. Ben Hartman. I, um, I, I've observed, like, the last couple of years, you know, watching Mason and seeing different times that he's struggled, um, sometimes in practice, scrimmages or whatever. You, you, you know, the game is supposed to be fun. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's not supposed to make you insane. And it, it, it never wants to be a, a point where it's just you go out to the, the field and you're, you know, no matter what field it is, football field, baseball field, whatever you, you want to go out there to have fun. That that's when you're going to perform your best is when you're having fun. And um, I don't think he's gotten comfortable enough to a point where he's actually having fun. And and that's that's tough. I mean, you see the masters of the craft, you know, a lot of times Heisman Trophy winners or, you know, in college or seniors, you know, Holt Naylor's, you know, fifth year, you know, type guy, that kind of thing where in the NFL, guys like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, you, you go down a list, guys that, you know, finally get to a point, whether it's a college career or professional career, where they've figured things out, the game has slowed down, and they're having fun. And then all of a sudden you start – you know, seeing what kind of incredible talent they have. And for Mason, I, I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that he finds the joy in football to help him settle down and whatever that is, if it's someone pulling them along in practice, cutting up with them, telling some jokes, you know, Nikki, 
Nikki Crabtree was was a backup punter to me and still one of my one of my best buddies today. And Nikki would push me in practice. Nikki would have incredible days where, you know, he'd he'd be on it and he'd elevate my game. And then days that I would be down or certain times I began, he'd, he'd come over and he'd build me back up. You know, he, he very easily could have ripped me down and tear me, torn me down and, you know, done that kind of thing. But it's sometimes it takes a teammate to, to pull you up. And um, I don't know who that is for Mason. But again, it goes back to my earlier comment of leadership. You know, who are these guys in the locker room that are helping to build this core of this football team? And it looks like, you know, it'll be Flynn going forward, and we talked about Mason so much, but uh, I'm sure Flynn will be starting this week against Gardner-Webb. And what, what, you, what I saw out of Alex Flynn, you know, is it's kind of what you all saw. You saw some good, you saw some bad. You saw him miss some, you know, make the wrong reads on some passing plays and, you know, stay in the pocket when he should have maybe scrambled a little bit and a couple of intentional grounding penalties where you, you got to be – you got to get rid of the ball faster there. You, you got to get beyond the line of scrimmage. You get outside the tackle box. But well, well, everything I saw from Flynn, he could get better at. So um, hopefully um, with start number two, um, Alex Flynn makes a, a, a big step forward this week against uh, the running Bulldogs. Yeah, I wanted to go to a question Richard Allsbrook uh, was asking. He said – uh, concerning in defensive rotation, Antoine Jackson, out of the 77 snaps, uh, he did play 39 of those. Um, but Richard said he noticed that after the pick six, then he was not in the next series. Uh, he was just curious as far as uh, the rotations and how, how that may work. And I'll, I'll go to you, Matt, here in just a moment. But um, before that, I just wanted to, to mention how Luke Larson uh, did an excellent job with that, uh, with that punt, you know, angling it toward the sideline, a bit of a coffin corner, and then we got down there and um, did a good job of, of downing that punt at the one-yard line to set up that situation where App State was forced with a third and seven and um, opted to throw that uh, speed out uh, you know, from, from the right hash to the left side of the field. And uh, we, I'd heard – uh, perhaps it was Siobhan Ravel or uh, Coach, I think it's actually Coach Houston in the post game talking about um, and how we approached that from a coverage standpoint. And Antoine Jackson, that was an easy pick six. And um, let's go to to the video of that right now, that as that was right in front of Pirate Nation on the uh, the Fieldhouse end of the stadium. <laughs> Great play by Jackson there, and from what Igo said going into the App State game is uh, he's 17, and um, he said going into the App State game, Igo, I mean, that Jackson would start getting more playing time starting with the App State game. I would expect he'll be starting probably this weekend, if not this weekend, in the coming weeks. He's still learning the defense. Yep. 
he, he's the most talented. Uh, he's he's the most talented. Yeah, he's the most talented guy we got in that position. So he'll 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 be starting before the season's over, if not this week. And not only that, but um, isn't isn't he the one that his mom doesn't want him there? She wants him. Yeah, to be he's his, dating his a girl. I you don't want to get into too much personal details, okay. but his, his girlfriend plays basketball in East Carolina, and it sounds like his mom wanted him to go to Miami. But don't don't want to get too personal with that on there. No doubt, but uh, definitely a great player. And again, going to back, how do you uh, piece those bright spots together, guys? Because there was bright spots in this game, and I was pleasantly surprised when I'm watching the game. And you were like, wow, um, they showed up like we wanted. And all of a sudden, then in the second half, it was to me, the, it seems like we play well for one half, depending on which one it is. And if we get, you know, like the cliche goes, but it's true. Can we put four quarters together? Well, I, I think it all depends on the offense mostly. I think the defense, despite some obviously blown assignments, I think the defense gets worn out. So uh, the offense has got to get better. Like Andrew said, we are 130 out of 130 on offense. and uh, You can't win many football games doing that. So, um, Tom, not to be stubborn anymore, right, guys? I mean – Hey guys, really, really quick. I mean, I just wanted to answer Richard Osbrook's question because he, he, you know, he was asking, you know, about the rotation there. Um, Bubba, can you put that question back up on the screen? Oh, for Richard. Yeah, just, just one moment. Yeah. I just want to make Excuse sure me. we answered uh, Richard's question. I mean, I didn't realize that Jackson came out after the pick six that he was not in on the next series. But from my perspective, I think the worst thing you can do in that situation when you when you have a player that makes a big play and now guess what he's his confidence is sky high you he's amped up he's feeling it just like in basketball you come out you hit five shots in a row the worst thing you can do is is not put him back in the next series so that's definitely a mistake there um you have a hot hand you stick with it in any sport right. it's no different when you're playing DB I was going to make that point about if you have uh, when people are asking about the quarterbacks, we have and have Axel who thinks that Mason Garcia will start on Saturday. Uh, you really go with the hot based, hand based on what? I don't know. He he says, I suspect I'll put it up for you guys so you can see what I'm talking about. I suspect Mason Garcia will start this weekend against GW and find success with having this past weekend's playbook applied. I I doubt it. Um, I think I think, it's I, I, think I think I think we'll probably see him, but I, I think I think Flynn earned the right to start um, against Gardner Webb. But you know, who knows? Well, again, when you have the two quarterbacks, you you know, like we were talking about, Matt, when you said the hot hand, if Flynn is uh, throwing all around the yard and we're you know we're doing very well, um, you know, and maybe we're up big on guard. I'm not saying we will be, but hypothetically speaking. If you go up big on, you know, Gardner Webb, do you keep Flynn in the entire game, or would you let Mason have some work um, in the fourth quarter? Say in the fourth quarter. So, like, if you're up, you know, twenty eight points or so in the fourth, Dave, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about a little bit of a lead because you want to keep Flynn in and get the rhythm. I mean, I'd probably play him the whole game if he's doing that well. But, I, but at the same time, do you give Garcia any? Any reps to give him more experience is my point. Yeah, I mean, and you know, if it's me, you know, if if I'm up big in in the second half, then I have no problem getting him reps at that point. Um, you know, I think that 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 makes perfect sense. You know, because you have a very comfortable lead, especially in the fourth quarter, late in the game, yeah. you're just putting it away. But 
um, if you have a hot hand early in the, you know, before the third quarter, I, I would say no. You know, Bubba, Bubba, you played quarterback. What do you think of that? I agree. I, I think I think you're spot on, and that's why some folks were were frustrated on Saturday because they did not realize that Alex Flynn had um, sure. you know, hurt hurt his shoulder a bit, um, perhaps on one of those runs there uh, on that second scoring drive that we had in the last couple minutes of the half. Then Mason came out for the final drive of the first half, and then Mason, and then um, Alex rather came right back in to start the third quarter. Um, which was a great sign because that meant that he wasn't injured. So um, uh, I'm, I'm all for um, – because that's why, obviously, so many people were, were frustrated. Uh, Alex Flynn had made two or three very nice runs, um, two or three nice throws, and then suddenly he was out of the game in that situation. And, you know, a lot of people thought it was going to be – they thought it was because of – the end of the half situation with the um, with potential um, big arm, yeah, yeah, potential big arm, and I, I knew that wasn't the case because I, I, you know, I was looking at number one just the way things had gone and the way Alex had played up up to that point, and then watching him on the sideline, I could tell he was kind of trying to work out his right shoulder with some different stretches and so forth, so. But but I, I totally agree with you, Matt. I mean, you, you ride the hot hand, and you know Donnie Kirkpatrick and, and Coach Houston have said as much in press conferences. And I don't, I I don't think you, I, I don't wonder. think you're going to see anything otherwise. I mean, we're, we're we scored 30 offensive points through three games, and now that we have a little bit of progress, I don't think you're going to go in another direction. Yeah, and the, <laughs> and the other thing, if you guys go back to last year, <clears throat> or really the last two years, it. Mike Houston does not – I mean, he, he don't waver on once he has a starting quarterback as far as getting a second guy out there to play, get some playing time. I mean, he never trotted Mason Garcia out there in games that we thought Mason Garcia should probably get some snaps. You know, he left Holt Nailers in in every game all through the fourth quarter. So Very true. That's a very good point. Right. You know, I mean, to, th- this weekend might not be any different. Um, if once he, once he settles on a starter – you know, he he might be riding them out through all four quarters, regardless of the score. I got a surprise for all of you guys. We're not going to be up by twenty eight points in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I didn't. I know that. I'm just saying uh, hypothetically. I said I. Um, I, I think what's going to be is you're going to see Flynn. I think Flynn's going to do very well. I think he starts, and I think when he he's getting better, and he talked about that too. By the way, guys, after the game, that it just comes down to he needs more experience in game experience and. And you can't argue with him. He looks he looks extremely confident in the game. I wonder if his shoulder soreness um, had any effect on his play in the second half. It may. I don't know. That's a good question. You guys have got anything else? We're ready to put this thing to bed. Uh, I'm good. Uh, guys, uh, real quick, uh, obviously, this is a playback. We're going to have the um, – obviously, tomorrow night being Tuesday night, we'll have our Pirate Preview for Gardner-Webb, so keep that in mind for Tuesday night. And, Bubba, I know a lot of great programming. I appreciate your hard work uh, on the show, um, on all the shows for that matter. Um, but tomorrow night is going to be special too, right? Yeah, we'll have the comments of uh, Phil Constantino, the play-by-play voice of the Gardner-Webb running Bulldogs. Uh, he'll be on the show, um, you know, whether it's live or a recorded conversation with him. 
And then uh, we'll also have the comments from the head coach of Gardner-Webb, and that is Trey Lamb. And Trey uh, will be speaking with the media at his weekly press conference or the Big South um, slash Ohio Valley's uh, weekly press conference. Uh, that will be tomorrow morning, and um, we'll have those comments for you as well. So getting the running Bulldogs um, take from a couple of different angles there. And then, um, you know, you mentioned other content, Dave. We had um, Kent Johnston uh, on Absolute Empowerment with Jeff Connors. That aired earlier tonight, so go back and check that out. Spent two different stints at Alabama as the strength and conditioning coach, uh, at, whether as an assistant or a head role, and then also with multiple NFL teams, including the Green Bay Packers, when George Koontz was with the Packers throughout the early to mid mid nineties. Uh, I want to say uh, coach Johnston was with them from 92 to 98. So during the Mike Holmgren era and, uh, and guys, when I stepped away, did, did y'all go over the, the letter from the helm with John Gilbert? We did not. not okay. Yet. All right. So uh, we'll go ahead and address that. Uh, it said, you know, as we know, obviously East Carolina is a competitor in the FBS or is, um, John Gilbert said Division 1A, the highest level of, uh, of competition in the NCAA, our participation in this highly competitive environment requires high levels of resources and high levels of preparation. We expect high levels of performance both on and off the field. At ECU, our investment of resources in our football program also comes with high expectations for sustainable success. Our donors and fans share high expectations share high expectations. In fact, our recent back-to-back -back bowl games have only elevated those expectations. While our administrators, staff, coaches, and student-athletes work tirelessly with each striving to do their job, our season is off to a disappointing start. Our fans and donors have every right to be concerned, and I sh have shared with our athletic leadership team that those concerns are an expression of your own expectations of our football program. I assure you that no one wants success more than coach, his staff, and our student-athletes. They're taking every measure to produce a product on the field that meets those expectations. I remain confident and supportive in Coach Houston and our football program. I've shared with Coach that as a department, we remain focused on striving for excellence in all facets of our operations. We acknowledge that our competitive success is the sum of all our parts. I know Coach Houston and our entire athletic leadership team remain committed and focused on success. As always, thank you for your investment and for your support of our athletic department. It was inspiring to see the amount of purple gold, purple and gold, excuse me, in the stands at our first two road games, obviously at Michigan and at App State. Go Pirates, John Gilbert. Yeah, and uh, I thought it was a relatively good letter. I, I did find the the constant references to Division One A and all that at the beginning of the letter a bit strange. I, I, I don't quite understand uh, what he was trying to say there. Um, we know we're Division One A or FBS as it's called now. I, I, I thought I found the whole, the beginning of the letter quite strange. It, it, it was better after that, much better. Yeah, I, I thought with the the letter, it's a letter with the intention was with everything going on. I thought the purpose of the letter was to acknowledge to the fan base 
that we know that you're a passionate fan base. We we have every right to be mad. Those of us that are giving um, thousands of dollars, you look at Andrew Bays, Matt Semenza, they gave thousands and thousands and thousands of hours to the program when they were there, their four years. And now Andrew is spending time away from his family. There's so many angles, so many reasons for people um, to be upset. And the thing is, is that we've known, um, like we've said about the quarterback situation, we've known about all that, the inexperience to be had. But I think um, what it comes down to is for me, guys, and I don't want to ramble because we're way over, but I will say that what my frustration is, a lot of fans that I've talked to, is that the stubbornness, the unwillingness to change the offense. We're not talking about an offensive scheme because you can't do that or a defensive scheme in the middle of the season. We're not talking about that. We're talking about different wrinkles, different ways to set your team, your players up to win. That's what's missing for me. And I've heard a lot of people say that, um, talking to people at work, different places that are really frustrated that the one three start is bad enough, but it seems like that it's because people are being stubborn and they won't make the necessary changes to win football games. No, I think that's some of it. I think some of it is, uh, maybe some talent issues, but uh, some of it is definitely that. The talent, just like Andrew said, the talent is there. We have enough talent to win football games. We didn't for Michigan, but for Marshall and App, we had the talent, but you've got to put, like Matt said, you've got to have the plays there. You've got to have, you know, uh, different plays. There. And I know that, like, with uh, with Flynn, he made mistakes, um, but penalties are killing us. Uh, mistakes are killing us, those two things. But we have the talent. The talent is there. Um, they've got to just put it together. Yeah, Maybe. I mean, I, I I love I love that John does these letters and that he gets you know he, I think he does a good job of having his fingers on the pulse of what what Pirate Nation is thinking and mm-hmm. um, kind of what the trend trends are uh, with supporters and I think I think he does a really good job getting getting ahead of it and um, acknowledging that he understands what what's going on and for me that's enough you know that's enough he i trust that he he knows what's going on there's a certain expectation you know whether it be results whether it be whatever he he understands it he gets it he's just letting everybody know that he 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 hears it and he's on it and um i'm i'm fine with that i'm i'm good with the letter and um you know, I appreciate that he puts them out. No, yeah, me too. Uh, I, I agree with 90% of what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Bubba, Matt? Go ahead, Matt. Matt's asleep. Matt's got nothing. I guess not. Bubba, what about you? I have nothing either. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate you so much. And obviously, you're doing all the road games, doing a great job, man. I've enjoyed listening uh, to broadcast. I will say this. I know we may be 0-3, um, but our broadcast is definitely 3-0. I appreciate you guys so much on the radio. You're do- you guys are doing a great job. And uh know it was a difficult task not having – uh, Jeff there, and um, and you guys are doing a tremendous job. So 
thank you so much. Thank you for your contributions. Again, a different way, a different role uh, for the program. Well, I appreciate it, guys. You guys do a great job and uh, can't wait to be back on. Hopefully, Pirates getting a win column this weekend. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Uh, well, thanks, everybody. By the way, I want to mention, too, that our great show, our Pirate Playback, is brought to you by, presented by, LNK Custom Homes. Kevin Walker is a licensed general contractor. Go on Facebook and look at uh, KK's work. He's amazing. And I can't wait to win the lottery because I've got a lot of work for you, Kevin. Uh, the number is 336-688-8461. You can email him at kwalkerkev at aol.com. And uh, don't forget, tomorrow night again, we have the Pirate Preview as we take a look at Gardner-Webb. And we'll be doing that tomorrow night being Tuesday night. So uh, join us for that. And, of course, there's all kinds of shows in our archives on YouTube and Facebook. We'll get out of here. Thank you so much. And as always, guys, go Pirates. Every front, every yard, every first down, every touchdown with the cannons flash.